Today on the Matt Wall Show, Donald Trump is impeached for the second time. I'm sure you've heard. We'll have some analysis about that. And five headlines, including another elementary school indoctrinating children into radical left-wing racial and sexual theories. But this, again, is an elementary school now where they're doing it. And in our daily cancellation, we'll discuss the apparently extremely important story of the so-called Soho Karen. It's a woman who, who made headlines for weeks after accosting a black teenager over her missing, missing cell phone. The media thinks this is a very important story. And we'll talk about why. All that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Well, if we've learned anything over the last uh, week, I think it's that you need, be, you need to be using a VPN. I think that's one thing we can take from this. Um, censorship on social media uh, has, as we know, over the last week, it's been bad for a long time, only getting worse. And uh, But over the last week, we've seen it. We've seen it. Um, worse than ever. We've seen it ramped up to a, to a level that, uh, that, we, that we had not seen before. Uh, Twitter and Facebook, though, are supposed to be open platforms. I, I don't need their content moderators acting like the op-ed section of the New York Times, but that's what they do. So instead of letting social media sites revoke your right to free speech, how about revoking their right to your data, which they have no right to to begin with? Now you could just deactivate all your social media accounts if you want to, but that would be giving the left just what they just what they want, which is to chase you out of the public sphere, uh, off the public stage, out of the discussion. thats I don't think that's the right move. That's why I use ExpressVPN. Ever wonder how free to access sites like Facebook make all their money? Well, they do it by tracking your searches, video history, and everything you click on, and then selling all of your valuable data. That's how they do it. When you use ExpressVPN, you make yourself anonymous so that your online presence is um, is is hidden, and uh, and that makes your activity more difficult to trace and more difficult to sell to advertisers. And that just gives you privacy that you deserve because just because you're online, that doesn't give someone the right to take all your data and sell it. ExpressVPN couldn't be easier to set up. You just tap one button on your phone or computer and you're protected. So if you're able to just tap a button, then you can use ExpressVPN. Also encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from hackers and internet bad guys. It's finally time to say no to censorship and take back your online privacy at expressvpn.com slash Walsh. By visiting my special link, you'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash Walsh, expressvpn.com slash Walsh to protect your data today. So the year is 2059. Donald Trump has just been posthumously impeached, marking his 40th impeachment overall in what has become a sacred annual ritual. As Trump is no longer there to stand trial, a goat is brought in to be his symbolic replacement. After conviction, the goat is ceremonially uh, disembodied and, uh, and uh, disemboweled and sacrificed by House Speaker and High Priestess Nancy Pelosi, still maintaining her leadership position despite being about 132 years old by now. This is only a very slightly exaggerated look into the future. In the non-exaggerated present, the Democrats have impeached Donald Trump for the second time in a little over a year. It took Congress about 244 years to impeach a president two times. So about 244 years, we had Congress impeaching two presidents, one each. So that's two total. Um, the Democrats doubled that number in 13 months. And now that Mitch McConnell has announced that he will not call the Senate back in session for a trial, the Democrats will also be the first to try to convict and remove a president who's already left office. They're going to run into the logistical problem when they try to remove him of him not being there to remove. Now, there's controversy over whether this is legal to do in the first place, though it seems to me unlikely that it is. Um, and whether it's whether it's legal or not, it's, it's, it certainly is certain that it's 
an absurd thing to attempt to do in any case. But these Democrats just cannot pass up an opportunity for political theatrics. Speaking of theatrics, uh, here is Nancy Pelosi on the House floor yesterday making her little stump speech. Here it is. Watch. I stand before you as a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a daughter, a daughter whose father proudly served in this Congress. I just wanted to note there, gendered language has been banned by her own rules. But exceptions can be made, apparently, so that female politicians can identify themselves as a wife and mother before going on to make a point that has nothing to do with the fact that they are wives and mothers. I love when politicians do that. I am a wife and mother. Okay, what does that have to do with anything? Really, I'm disappointed that that their commitment to genderless language isn't more serious. You know, I was looking forward to uh, hearing about the impeachment of Donald Trump. Meanwhile, one of the newest members of the squad and uh, making a strong push to be crowned the most obnoxious, I would say, is Cori Bush, Representative Cori Bush. And uh, she had this to say. Listen. If we fail to remove a white supremacist president who incited a white supremacist insurrection, it's communities like Missouri's first district that suffer the most. The 117th Congress must understand that we have a mandate to legislate in defense of black lives. The first step in that process is to root out white supremacy, starting with impeaching the white supremacist in chief. You know, it's hardly noticeable or notable anymore when they do it. But still, we should take we should take note of the fact uh, of, of how Democrats have just casually and in such a perfunctory way turned the Capitol Hill riot into a racist event. Because of course they're going to do that, even though race had absolutely nothing to do with it. There are, in fact, many ways to condemn something without calling it racist. But the belief on the left now is that anything that is bad must also be racist. If it's bad, it's racist. Also, most of the things that aren't bad must also be racist. For her part, Maxine Waters played a similar race card, but she took it even further than that. Listen. This president is headed toward a civil war, and we're the object of their hate. And so it is not only about protection and security for the Capitol and us. We need to talk about what we're going to do to force diversity and inclusion and protection for our communities. Yes, the remedy for rioting is to, quote, force diversity and inclusion. Don't ask Maxine Waters what she means by that, because she clearly has no idea. All she knows is that it seems is, 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 is that conservatives are uh, an apocalyptic threat to the United States, and President Trump is going to lead them like a warlord into a civil war. If Maxine's goal here, with her little rant there, was to provide a great example of what incitement actually sounds like, then she succeeded brilliantly. Because that's the irony of it. As the Democrats impeach uh, Trump over incitement, much of what they have said in the process of impeaching him is far more inciting than anything Trump said last Wednesday. But here's the central question. Why did the Democrats do this? What's the point of all this? We already touched on one point, political theatrics, showmanship, the spectacle of false bravery, standing up to the fascist dictator and all that. Also general contempt for him and for his voters. Um, you know, those, those are the obvious things. Many other things went into it as well. But let me suggest another if, I, if I'm, if I'm going to get really psychological here, uh, let me suggest another, perhaps slightly deeper motivation. And I think it's this. The Democrats don't know how to quit Donald Trump. This is, in its way, a romance. Not the kind of love affair that you'd read about in a romance novel, but not too far off. 
you know, they're setting it up so that they can continue railing against Donald Trump even after he's left office. He, he's been the center of their political and ideological world for so long. They've defined themselves by their opposition to him. He's been the object of nearly all of their attention. Think about that. For five years, he has been everything. They have defined themselves and their, their agenda by him. And they can't stand to lose him. They hate him, but they can't stand to lose him. They need him. He is their identity, their purpose, the wind beneath their wings. This is especially true of the media, which has spent thousands and thousands and thousands of hours talking about Trump. And now we'll have great gaping holes in their programming to fill. Holes that will be even harder to fill now because they're going to have to ignore any scandals or controversies that come out of the next administration. So they're not going to have that to talk about either. This is the quandary that the left finds itself in. One familiar to anybody who's been in a codependent relationship. They want out, but they're scared of leaving. And it's not just them, in fairness. The political and cultural universe has revolved around Trump for, for everybody. Every issue has been distilled down to Trump. And a lot of that has to do with the media. That's the media's doing. Where everything begins and ends with Donald Trump. But it's not supposed to be this way in America. We're not supposed to talk so much about the president or care so much about him. In times past, and you probably have to go back to before the advent of cable news uh, for this, but in times past, people went weeks or months, even longer, without thinking about the president at all. They weren't inundated with news about him every day. They didn't live in an ecosphere that was so saturated with his presence. Presidents were not omnipresent for most of American history. So people had political and cultural identities that were not defined by the president, not defined by one man, one politician. And I would say it was, it was better that way. A lot of other things may not have been better in those times, but that piece of it certainly was. And that will be the one silver lining going forward, that we can talk about something else for a change. It may seem small. Maybe it is, but it's not nothing can think about something else. Of course, the problem is that the Trump obsession will be replaced by something else. Probably not a Biden obsession. He's not quite, he doesn't quite have the flair to attract that sort of devotion, uh, either in a negative or positive way, but there'll be something or someone or a series of somethings and someones that the media dangles in front of us to keep us from getting down to the heart of the matter and discussing important issues on a deeper level. But hopefully after this experience, we can be on guard against that in the future. Let's get now to our five headlines. Well, a lot of you have been leaving comments. I've seen a ton of them uh, asking when the Andrew Clavin show is going to be back. That's a question that, that a lot of us have. Well, I've got good, good news. Starting tomorrow, January 15th, Andrew Clavin is back with a new weekly program. Every Friday, he'll be treated to a 90-minute show in which Andrew will wrap up the week's events talk to special guests and give you his unique insights into what's really going on. Uh, I think we all really want to hear what he has to say, especially about this week. Make sure you're subscribed to his show so you can stay up to date to, on all the new episodes. You know, I really hate that it's become so uh, common for people to make up stories about their things that their kids said to them, you know, or in Kamala Harris's case, to make up stories about things they said as kids. And this genre is used you know, normally in a political context to prove a point like, I guarantee you could go on Twitter right now. There are probably a bunch of tweets of people talking about their alleged six-year-old who, who heard the news about Trump's second impeachment and had some really insightful thing to say. 
But the reason I hate this is that kids actually do say hilarious and oddly insightful things all the time. You know, anyone who's a parent knows your, your, your kid's capable of saying some really great things, but you can't share it anymore publicly because of this veil of suspicion that will that will that will cover it uh, because it will sound like you made it up because that's what everybody does. So, for example, the reason I bring this up is um, here's a real thing my son actually said to me last night. I took my uh, the two boys out for ice cream and on the way home we were talking and he was sharing with me how he had burped loudly earlier in the day and made his sister cry because she was so disturbed by the by the burp, which I, you know, some things you had to stifle laughter on as a parent. But then my son says to me, this is a direct quote. He says, girls will never understand the ways of men. It's my seven-year-old son who said that. Direct quote. Where did that come from? I don't know. Kids just say stuff. And really, they say so much stuff. They're just constantly talking that eventually they'll stumble on something like that, on a little morsel of brilliance. Um, and quite poignant, I thought. Girls will never understand the ways of men. Very well put. Though I confess, uh, the reverse is probably even more even more true than that. All right, let's go to number one. Um, a Virginia school district is considering a slew of progressive icons as candidates. This is from the Washington Free Beacon, by the way. Uh, considering a slew of progressive icons as candidates to become the new namesake of T.C. Williams High School, who's, if you remember, if, you, if that name sounds familiar, that's the high school that was uh, featured in Remember the Titans. In on uh, November 20, in November of 2020, the Alexandria City uh, Public Schools Board unanimously voted to change the school's name because its namesake, Thomas Chambliss uh, Williams, was a segregationist. Community activists initiated calls for a name change following the death of George Floyd at the hands of police. Um, now, the district introduced a poll, and by the way, this is this is not the first school district or the only school district in, in Virginia right now that's contemplating name changes. We talked a few weeks ago. Uh, there's a school school district getting rid of Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson High School is out the window. They're going to think of some new name to put there. So here are um, among the choices. Uh, Kamala Harris High School. So she, she hasn't done anything yet, but already she's going to get her own name. It's kind of like the Barack Obama gets a Nobel Prize system. Or before he had done anything, he still gets the prize. So Kamala Harris already gets the already gets the high school's named after her, has done absolutely nothing. Um, so Camilla Harris High School, Megan Markle High School, and also George Floyd Memorial High School. That is being considered. And I wish I could say that there's no way they actually choose this one. But given the state of things, I would have no such confidence. George Floyd, who's the, the only distinction about this man's life is that he was that he, he died at the hands of police. Um, that's the only distinction. Other than that, he was a violent felon, forced his way into a woman's home, put a gun to her stomach and robbed her in front of her kid. Like that's, that's the other major event from his life. That and he, was, and he, and he died while being arrested. Going to get it at his own high school. Uh, and then I'm looking through some of the other choices. Somehow George Washington may, is, is, is an option. George Washington High School. So maybe they can rename it to George Washington and then a year from now, Take his name off because he was a slave owner. Just keep it going. Um, diversity High School is another option. So Hercules High School. A lot of options here. Some of them not terrible. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, of course, on there as well. All right. Um, number two. 
Mayor Bill de Blasio went on uh, the news yesterday and he had a, a big announcement, a big and brave and bold announcement to make. Uh, and here it is. Listen. Mika, uh, here to announce that the city of New York is severing all contracts with the Trump organization. Our legal team has done an assessment and the contracts make very clear. Uh, if a company, the leadership of that company is engaged in criminal activity, we have the right to sever the contract. Uh, inciting an insurrection. Let's be wow. clear. I'm going to say these words again. Inciting an insurrection against the United States government clearly constitutes criminal activity. So the city of New York will no longer have anything to do with the Trump organization. Okay, the, the, now the Trump organization is guilty of inciting a riot, not just Trump himself. This is especially rich coming from Bill de Blasio, uh, of all people, who did more than almost any any other mayor in encouraging and legitimizing and romanticizing the BLM riots. Uh, but he didn't do quite as much as Mayor Ted Wheeler of Portland. And since we're on the subject of, of feckless mayors, here's an interesting moment with Ted Wheeler, again, mayor of Portland. Uh, let's watch this. Just three weeks ago, protesters broke into the Oregon State Capitol. I have heard people at these protests elsewhere saying, well, they let it happen in Portland, so why not do it here? It seems in some way the actions of these small groups that you're referring to have set the stage for what has happened on a state level and potentially a national level. I know you said it will take time to crack down on these groups, but do we have that time? Are, are you blaming me for what happened at the U.S. Capitol? I, I don't buy that. Are you blaming me? Are you are you saying I could be responsible? I could have something to do with it? Is that what you're suggesting? Uh, yeah, it's what I'm suggesting, Ted. I don't, I don't know if that's what she was suggesting, but it's what I'm suggesting. You certainly have something to do with it. This is what happens. When you give people the idea that rioting is not... It's, it's a really important facet of this. Not just that rioting is... Uh, that it's okay... You know, that's the message that we've gotten from Ted Wheeler and many others on the left, but also that it works. Because on the left, when they rioted, they got what they want. Uh, now, you might say the cost to them was not worth the price, at least the cost to them ideologically, because at the same time, did they scare a lot of other people away who are sort of in the middle, who see the rioting and defund the police? And, you know, are they scared away from the, from the left now? That's a question. But in terms of affecting policies and that sort of thing, you know, they, they got what they want. They got, they got utter and total capitulation from people like Ted Wheeler. Now, on the right, that's, that's not how it works. Right? So with, with, with uh, the, the Capitol Hill rioters, what, what has happened? What has happened since then? Um, Donald Trump is impeached, deplatformed, thousands of... of conservatives banned from social media, entire conservative social media apps taken down, um, not to mention people died and dozens of arrests. So that's what happens when conservatives do it. Uh, and that's that's also something that, that I think conservatives have to keep in mind. We have, we have to live in reality. And, you know, we shouldn't be rioting because it's, it's wrong in the first place. Whether it works or not, you shouldn't be doing it. But it's also something conservatives should remember when they say, well, the left does this, and so we can do it. Yeah, but two things. Number one, doesn't make it right. Number two, uh, we, we live, we don't, we don't live in the same universe as them. 
That's just the reality. That's the reality of the situation. They, they own the system. We don't. So if you go and riot, you're not going to get utter and total capitulation from, from, from your leaders and, and politicians, people that rule over you. You're not going to get it. They'll get it. You won't. That's just the reality. And I'm a big fan of operating within reality. I'm a big fan of that. All right, number three, I just want to read this headline. Headline from the Wall Street Journal. Um, Pope Francis says women can read at mass as debate on women clergy continues. You see these things throughout throughout, uh, his pontiff. We've seen headlines like this, and I always enjoy them as a Catholic, where we're told the media tells us that Pope Francis has made this revolutionary radical step. And as a Catholic, you read it and you say, well, no, it's, it's, what do you mean? It's, It's been like that for a long time. I can tell you right now, if you've seen this headline, Women have been reading in Catholic masses for decades. I mean, my, my whole life, as I, I've seen this, and goes back even further than that. Uh, so this is, this is not news at all. So Pope Francis has said that women can keep doing the thing that they already were doing. Big news there. All right. Um, Christopher Rufo, who we've we followed, he works for the, the City Journal. We followed his reporting. Um, he reports on a lot of the, the uh, brainwashing, especially the critical race theory brainwashing in public schools. And here's his latest thread. This is on Twitter. He says, a Cupertino elementary school forces third graders to deconstruct their racial and sexual identities, then rank themselves according to their power and privilege. Just to highlight again, this is an elementary school, okay? Not a high school. Not that it's okay in a high school, but even worse, the younger they get. Um, He says, I've obtained exclusive whistleblower documents from inside the classroom. They will shock you. We'll read through some of this. It says, first, the teacher told the eight and nine-year-old students that they live in a dominant culture of white, middle-class, cisgendered, educated, able-bodied Christians who created and maintained this culture in order to hold power and stay in power. This to a bunch of eight-year-olds. And the eight-year-olds are just sitting there. This, this is why this stuff is so, is so evil and infuriating. Because the six-year-olds are just sitting there soaking this in. They, they have no idea what's being said. When an eight-year-old hears this, all they can say is, okay, if you say so, they do not have the information, the knowledge, the critical thinking skills, and it's no knock on them, it's just they, they, they just don't have it, to uh, analyze this stuff. Reading, going back to the, his, his thread, says, reading from this book is anti-racist, the teacher taught the children the theory of intersectionality and claim that those with privilege have power over others and that folks, by the way, folks, F-O-L-X, that is the genderless way of saying folks because somehow K-S is gendered. Replace it with an X and it's okay. Maybe you've learned that by now. You know, all existing words are offensive because they already exist. If you want to make them non-offensive, just put X. Just randomly throw an X in there somewhere. Um, Folks who do not benefit from their social identities have little to no privilege and power. The teacher asked students to create an identity map listing their race, gender, class, religion, family structure, and other characteristics. They were told to circle the identities that hold power and privilege. In a related assignment, the children were asked to write short essays describing which aspects of their identities hold power and privilege and which are oppressed, in effect, ranking themselves according to their intersectionality hierarchy. Okay, so you so certain parts of your identity can have power and certain parts can be oppressed? Is that how it works? So you can, 
So you can you can op- oppress yourself, I guess. Because if, if the people that are the oppressors, so you have you have oppressors and you have the oppressed, well now, according to this, parts of your identity can belong to either group. Now I'm assuming, I haven't read the uh, I haven't I haven't looked through all of the PowerPoint slides yet, but I'm assuming, for example, a white woman, probably a classic example of somebody oppressing themselves. Because you're white, so you, you got the oppressor role covered, but you're also a woman, so you're oppressed. Oppressing yourself. This is not schizophrenic or insane at all. Um, parents at the school were scandalized. They were basically teaching racism to my eight-year-old, said one parent, who rallied a half dozen families to protest the curriculum and demanded a meeting with the principal. Um, and then it, it details some of the other parents and their reaction to it. Okay. All I can say with this sort of thing is, I mean, it's the same thing I always say. And I, I can only repeat myself. That's all I can do. Get, get your kids out of the public school system. This, I, I, I cannot stress enough, this is not going to get better. It will not. And if you're in a school right now, or if your kids are in a school where you, this isn't happening, first of all, how do you know it's not happening? You only think it's not happening. Could be. Because um, your kid is not, even, is not even telling you like 10% of the things that happen in a school day. If you remember when you were a kid, you didn't. Uh, so, but if, if your kid is in a school where this isn't happening, eventually it will happen. It will. No way around it. This is what the public school, school system exists for. To indoctrinate children into the overarching, the dominant dogmas and doctrines of the day. Didn't mean to go for the alliteration there, but there it is. So get your kids out of the public school system. There are other options. I'm not saying everybody can homeschool, but they're, they're, we got to start getting creative about, about um, solving these problems, about the way we educate our children. The system relies on you just sending your kids there by default. Because it's the easy thing to do. It's the automatic thing to do. It's what, it's what you did as a kid. It's just what you're supposed to do. The system relies on that. So we have to break free from that way of thinking. Come up with creative solutions. Number five. Also, this is, uh, what is this from? This is from the New York Post. It says, experts have been left astonished after a supermassive black hole, which was thought to be in the middle of a distant galaxy, has gone missing. The bright cluster galaxy A2261, one of my favorites, appears to have uh, lost its black hole, and some scientists think it could now be floating through space. All right, so that's, that's, here's another thing we can worry about. Apparently, black holes can just become dislodged from their lo- location in space and just float, just float away. I, that's, that's the next thing. I'd have. I mean, I, 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 I couldn't say I would object that much if they told us that a black hole was floating towards Earth. I think our reaction, first of all, would be, well, of course it is. Of course, the black hole is coming. Put us out of our misery. Um, so there's a missing black hole. Obviously, my question is, where, where, were you, where were you when you last had it? That's the classic response from any parent when a kid is missing something. Actually, my mom's a, a, a classic advice. Anytime I, was, I couldn't find something, she said, well, did you clean up your room? Did you lift up all the dirty laundry on the floor and look under that? And the thing that always annoyed me is that 95% of the time, it was under the dirty laundry in my room. I don't know if the black hole will be, but just a good tip in general. So I can tell you, with, with, with clothing, the two things I'm looking for, probably same as you, uh, I want comfort, but I also want 
style. And I want it to be really easy on me because I'm not the most, I'm not the most stylish guy myself. Maybe you've noticed. Uh, that's why I want clothing that just looks great, makes it easy for me. I can be confident that when I put it on, I'm going to look great. And that's why I love Mack Weldon. And I can tell you, there are a lot of things that you'd probably like to leave behind in 2020. One of the most important being your old underwear drawer. If you're rolling into 20, into the new year with the same bunching, chafing, and uncomfortable underwear that you've uh, you've had for years now, then you've got to check out Mack Weldon. Your wife will thank you as well, I think, if you do. Mack Weldon is an essential piece of my daily routine, and they've got tons of stuff. they got all the men's basics, sh socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, polos, active shorts. Um, and there's also versatility that comes with Mack Weldon because you're going to look great and you're going to feel great at the same time. From working out, going out, going to work, going on a date, whatever you're doing, Mack Weldon has clothing for you because it's for everyday life. And uh, if, you, if you really want to get bang for your buck, try out Weldon Blue. It's a totally free loyalty program. Level one gets you free shipping for life. Once you reach level two, by spending only $200, you get 20% off every order for the next year. So that's a lot of extra benefits. And at the same time, like I said, you're just going to look great on top of it. So for 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash Walsh and enter promo code Walsh. That's MacWeldon.com slash Walsh. Promo code Walsh for 20% off. MacWeldon reinventing men's basics. And also, um, tonight is a big, big night for The Daily Wire. We're very excited about it. Tonight, Daily Wire makes its entrance into entertainment content with our first feature film, Run, Hide, Fight. A lot of anticipation leading up to this. Well, you can finally see the film tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We're going to air a virtual premiere of the movie in a, in a special episode of Backstage, which will stream live over at Daily Wire website, mobile, and streaming apps, as well as our YouTube channel. Uh, tonight's event is free for everybody to watch, whether you're a member or not. But after the live stream is over, the movie will be available exclusively to Daily Wire members. So if you don't think you can make, you'll be able, you'll be able to make it for the, the live stream event then become a Daily Wire member and you can watch it anytime. Please be aware this film is not political, uh, but it is intense and it's for mature audiences only. This is not a family film. This is not a, fam a, a movie for kids. Starring Isabel May, Thomas Jane, and Radha Mitchell, uh, Runhide Fight follows Zoe Hall, who's a high school student coping with the recent loss of her mother. All she wants is to get through the last few weeks of her senior year and leave for college with a fresh start. Instead, her high school is attacked by four nihilistic gun-toting students who plan to take the siege um, to make their siege the, the worst school shooting in history. But using her wits and survival skills, Zoe fights back to save her, um, her fellow students and herself. It's just a great, it's a very exciting film, and we're excited to bring it, bring it to you and bring you other great stories as well that Hollywood refuses to tell. And we hope you'll join us for tonight's event. Again, that's 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific at dailywire.com, Apple TV, or Roku, or the Daily Wire YouTube channel. We can't wait to bring it to you. Now, let's get to our daily cancellation. So today for our daily cancellation, we start with a quandary. What do you do when you want to convince people that America is a racist country, but America stubbornly refuses to provide you with enough legitimate examples to prove your point? This is a problem that leftists and race hustlers run into on a daily basis, and they've innovated several different ways to deal with it. One is to, of course, invent racist hate crimes out of whole cloth, telling fables about bleach-wielding white supremacists shouting MAGA country in Chicago and so forth. The other is to wildly misinterpret actual statements or events to fit into the desired racism mold. In the most extreme cases, a garage door pull may be labeled a noose and handed over to the FBI for investigation. These are tried and true, but not nearly as cynically brilliant or effective as the third method, which is to take a potential example of real but isolated racism or racial profiling and treat it like Pearl Harbor, blow it up into a national crisis, 
and draw all sorts of broad and sweeping conclusions from it. And that third strategy brings us to the story of the so-called Soho Karen, real name Mia Pancetto. Now, Pancetto achieved national notoriety a couple weeks ago after accosting a 14-year-old black teen, son of a musician named Keon Harold, and falsely accusing him of stealing her cell phone. He didn't really steal it, but she accused him of it. The altercation, which was caught on video by Harold, unfolded in the lobby of the Arlo Hotel in New York City. Ponsetto mostly ranted like a crazy person before grabbing the teen and um, actually tackling him to the ground. Uh, the video quickly went viral, and Ponsetto, with her new Soho Karen moniker, became infamous across the nation. The media conducted extensive investigations and published lengthy reports revealing Ponsetto's past criminal record, her DUI arrests, um, the vandalism of her Airbnb apartment on the morning of her confrontation of the cell phone. She apparently smashed her door with a, with a, uh, with a fire extinguisher, I believe. Now, it's clear that Ponsetto was firmly in the wrong. It's possible that she racially profiled the young man, though it seems, it seems even more likely, or at least just as likely, that she's simply an unstable woman who has acted this way towards many people in her life with no regard to their race or ethnicity. I mean, she smashed her door with a, with a fire extinguisher right before this. So maybe an equal opportunity lunatic, you might say. But what's not clear in any case is why this deranged behavior by a random woman in a hotel lobby needs to be the subject of national discussion. But the national discussion ensued anyway, helped along by the likes of Al Sharpton and the ubiquitous ambulance-chasing lawyer Benjamin Crump, um, though there were no ambulances or injuries reported in this case, but Benjamin Crump is always on the scene now. And they both sort of rappelled down as though from helicopters hovering above to conduct a press conference with the boy's parents and presumably to get a piece of any forthcoming lawsuits. The parents claimed that their son's life was put in danger. And they found reason somehow to blame the hotel where the assault happened, arguing that the business is culpable for the arbitrary outbursts of any troubled woman who happens to wander into their lobby. They even had a nifty refrain they kept repeating, ready-made for t-shirts and posters, calling on the hotel to check out from racism. Check out because it's a hotel. Get it? That's the, yeah, very clever. Uh, let's, let's listen to a little bit of this news report about the, the case. Keon Harold Jr.'s parents say they're still traumatized by the attack on their son. They want everyone involved to be held accountable. This racial profiling thing is real. You don't have to say the N-word to, to act in a racist way. The Arlo looked right over my son. The incident took place at the Arlo Hotel in Soho last month. Surveillance video appears to show this woman, 22-year-old Mia Ponsetto, tackle 14-year-old Keon Harold Jr. after accusing him of stealing her cell phone. No, I'm not letting him walk away with my phone! The manager of the hotel approaches the boy and asks to see the phone, which he does not have. Check out time! Check out, Check out time! The family is now asking for people to boycott the business and its parent company, unless they put an end to what they call racial profiling. Arlo Hotel is just as responsible as this Soho Karen, and we're going to check out if they don't check, step up. The Arlo Hotel has apologized for the incident and says the manager did call police regarding Ponsetto's conduct. Check out if they don't step up. They got the poster boards ready. They got everything. They're boycotting the family, the, uh, the, the, the parent company. They're accusing the the, the hotel and the parent company of racial profiling. They didn't do it. It wasn't their fault. I mean, I, you know, maybe, again, you know, if it were me, 
and and I was walking out of a hotel and some crazy woman came up, accused me of stealing her cell phone and started, it was draped all over me trying to tackle me to the ground. Um, I would, uh, I would, I would get her off of me. I would call the police because she's crazy and that's illegal. That is assault. Um, and then I'd probably just go about my day. You know, I would probably just go home and it, it would be a, it would be a, a funny story. I would tell my wife and, you know, for, for probably from then on out, it's a story I would tell periodically, but I just can't imagine holding a press conference about it. A press conference about that. Now, for all the talk of systemic racism in law enforcement, the NYPD certainly expended more time and resources on this case than they would on almost any other similar case of a random weirdo accosting somebody in public. Detectives tracked Ponsetto all the way back to California and brought her to California to, to, uh, to New York to stand trial. She was hit with four felonies in the case, attempted robbery, endangering the welfare of a child, attempted grand larceny, and attempted assault. Again, Ponsetto's behavior was obviously wrong and also criminal, but you might argue that it's a tad overkill to pursue her across the country and put her on trial for four felonies when nobody was hurt in her outburst and the only long-term consequences of her actions will be suffered by the culprit herself. I mean, you, you might argue that. Hours before her arrest, Gail King on CBS conducted an exclusive multi-part interview with Ponsetto. Now, when you watch it, when you watch this interview, all you can wonder is why is this crazy woman who freaked out about a cell phone getting so much attention? An interview with Gail King on CBS for this? Really? With everything else going on in the world right now, this is what you're devoting airtime to. And CBS isn't alone. A search for Mia Pancetto's name on Google returns thousands of results, many of them reporting breathlessly about every aspect of this earth-shattering case, others offering lengthy analyses of the cultural implications. Then others, like this article in the New York Post, reporting that Mia Pancetto wears ugly outfits. Here's the headline. Soho Karen Mia Pancetto mocked for wearing trash crop top, sandals, and socks. Well, if wearing sandals and socks is a fashion crime, then you're going to have to lock me up, too. Um, I may not be the best, best one to defend her fashion choices, nor am I interested in. But I will say to her credit, she tried to beat the media at its own game. So here she is in that Gail King interview um, claiming that she cannot be racist because she herself is a woman of color. And, and note the reaction to that claim. Here it is. Listen. You might remember this video. Mia Ponsetto approached 14-year-old Keon Harold Jr. at a New York City hotel last month, accusing him of stealing her phone. His father, jazz musician Keon Harold, recorded the encounter and accused Ponsetto of racial profiling. I was approaching the, the people that had been exiting the hotel because in my mind, anybody exiting is probably the one that might be the one that is trying to steal my phone. I admit, yes, I could have approached the situation differently or maybe not yelled at him like that and made him feel, you know, maybe some sort of uh, inferior. I wasn't racial profiling whatsoever. I'm a woman, I'm Puerto Rican, I'm like a woman of color. I'm, I'm Italian, Greek, Puerto Rican. You keep saying you're Puerto Rican. Does that mean that you can't be racist because you're saying you're a woman of color? Is that what you mean? Exactly. Well, I, I would disagree that people of color can be racist. <laughs> I love that. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. And by the current rules, she's exactly right. You know, I, I got to defend her on this one. I, I, don't, I don't agree with the rules. Um, I think anybody of any race or ethnicity can be racist. Mia Pensetto could be racist. Gail King could be racist if she wanted to be. Anybody can. Your skin pigmentation does not make you any more or less susceptible to racism. That's not how racism works. 
But again, I don't make the rules, unfortunately. The, the, the people who do make them have long since clarified that, that only white people can be racist. This is what critical race theory teaches. It's what those kids in, in school are being indoctrinated into. Power plus privilege equals racism. And only whites have power and privilege. According to this doctrine, Ponsetto says she isn't white. That's what she says. And by the looks of it, you know, it does, seems like she isn't lying. So notice how quickly critical race theory is abandoned or exceptions and additional qualifiers are conjured out of thin air just to maintain the narrative about this woman. Now we find many headlines like this one in Yahoo News. Mia Pinsetto proves proves that simply being a person of color isn't enough. Oh, really? It isn't? Well, that's the first I'm hearing that. So who is canceled today? It seems redundant to cancel Pinsetto, who is now facing four felonies and is a national disgrace and pariah. The parents of, of the kids say, it's not enough. There's it's, it's not enough justice has been done. I kind of feel like it is enough. And she's, she's a national disgrace. Everybody hates her. She's got four felonies. Like, what else do you want? Except for money from that hotel. So I would say that's probably punishment enough given the offense. Instead, I'm canceling all of the people who were so excited to have a video like this, to prove their point, that they've made this woman famous in the process. And I'm canceling the race-hustling vultures like Sharpton who've swooped in to get their piece of the action, doing their normal routine. Of course, he's canceled as well. A lot of cancellations to go around today. And that's, that's how I like it. It's more efficient that way. Uh, so they're all canceled. And that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Walsh Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. The House impeaches President Trump again. AOC unwittingly offers insight and conservatives score a win at the Supreme Court. Check it out in The Michael Knowles Show.